Good afternoon. I am Pastor Rob Elliott, and I serve as Calvary Bible Church's senior pastor teacher. On behalf of my wife, Beth, and on behalf of the whole incredible body of Christ called Calvary Bible Church, we convey our sincere condolences, Patsy, to you and to your entire family. We're pleased this afternoon to have the Honorable Brett Simonet, MP, with us. Appreciate that, sir. You know, Gene is the reason that we're all here, but Gene is not here. You are here to look around and within and up for God's perspective and truth, hope, and healing. Every human being is made in God's image. God is one God in three co-eternal parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Being made in God's image, each of us is also three parts. We have a body that allows us to interact with our environment. We have a soul that allows us to interact with other people. And we have a spirit that allows us to interact with God. And some days ago, Gene's soul and spirit were dismissed from his body to be with Christ. He fought a good fight, but his soul and spirit have been dismissed to be with Jesus. But not to be dismissed to stop existing, not to be dismissed to float around aimlessly, but his soul and spirit have been dismissed to go back to the one who first gave them. They were dismissed to have a certain reunion one day with Jean's resurrected body. I like Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. The reason that I do is that these two Old Testament verses help us to better understand both death and life in the light of death coming. The verses say, Remember him, that is God, before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. And so I repeat that Gene is the reason that we are all here this afternoon, but Gene is not here. You are here to look within, around, and up for the Lord's perspective, truth, hope, and healing. Surely the presence of the Holy Spirit of God here today will help us in this most worthwhile endeavor. Pastor Roland Bryan comes at this time to lead us in prayer. Good afternoon, and I'd like to take a moment to express my sincere condolences to the family and to assure you that once someone trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior to be absent from the body, to be a home with God. Pastor Albert and myself would always visit with to, to most of us, we know him as Gene. Many of you here didn't know his name was Ivan. But that's his name, Ivan. 
to all of us in the neighborhood there, knowing him as Gene. He would always be seated to my left here, down in the bottom. And as we conduct the service, he would be right there. There's no one with us now, but we can have the assurance that because he put place faith in the Lord, he is better off than any of us right here in this service this afternoon. So let's look to God in prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, I pause at this time to thank you for this opportunity whereby we can come to you. You are the Almighty God. You are the Everlasting Father. You, the Lord, are gracious. You are kind. You are compassionate. You are slow to anger, and I thank you so much for that, dear Lord. And you are plenteous in mercy. So this morning, this evening, dear Lord, I pray that you would be in a special way with Sister Patsy and her family. Would you be near and there to them, comfort them? Yes, they'll miss their loved ones. But because we believe your word, we know that to be absent from the body is to be at home with God. And the Apostle Paul made it clear when he said, that is far better. So they, Father, and leave the family in your care. Take full control of this service, dear Father. And from the depths of my heart, I pray this afternoon that if there is anyone in this service who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that this would be the turning point in his or her life. I know Jean would be happy for this. We ask all these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Coming now to read the passage of scriptures will be Kara Saunders. The Old Testament reading is taken from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The New Testament reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, and chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but look but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with, with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. Here ends the scripture reading. Good afternoon. I too, on behalf of my family, would like to express sincere condolences to you, Sister Patsy, and assure you of our continued prayers for you and your family during this time of bereavement. Our first hymn, I Surrender All, is one that I've never done at a funeral before, but I can see it's connection in times like these, its significance. You can surrender all of your cares, you can surrender all of your burdens, all of your pains to the one who cares for you, for the Bible says, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And may you know the deep love of the Savior during this time. We invite everybody now to stand as we sing, I Surrender All.
may be seated. At this time, Blair Perez comes as a granddaughter to share as we knew him. Good afternoon. On April 4th, 1940, a handsome baby boy was welcomed into the home of Graham and Vera Saunders of Green Turtle Key, Abaco. He was the fourth of six children of this union. His parents named him Ivan Eugene, but he was affectionately called Jim. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> By his family and friends. Since work was scarce in his childhood, his parents decided to move to Andrews Island for work. There, Gene received the fundamentals of his education. However, periodically, they would travel back and forth between Andrus and Nassau. The constant back and forth hindered the progress of his schooling, and Gene never received a proper education. He often told his story saying that he graduated from second grade, but did not deter him from making a living as he grew into adulthood. In his early teens, he became a salesperson for William's Shoe Store. After a while there, he left and went to work at Anglo-Colonial, where he learned to operate the crane and set dynamite to blow holes for the rock plant. This is where he discovered he was better at using his hands. In 1966, he went to work at Nassau Dunbrook as a mechanic for a while before transitioning to JBR. He continued his mechanic duties at JBR while working in the block plant. Eventually, he became the foreman for the block plant and was called the block master. He knew the right ingredients to make the best blocks on the island. He was called Nature Boy and Ric Flair by his staff. In 1957, a beautiful young lady caught his full attention while riding her bike from typing class. Patricia, or as we know her as Pat, Carolyn became the love of his life and they were married on June 6, 1958, almost 60 years. The union brought forth three sons, Philip, Ivan Ricardo, and Michael. In the 1990s, he began visiting Abaco often and eventually built his second home in Bahama Palm Shores. He loved fishing, so every holiday weekend, nearly all the family would go over and bunk out for the weekend of good family times. Literally, we would have 20 people in that house. I can vouch for that. <laughs> Those days will never be forgotten. He also loved antique cars. So he bought a 1966 Ford Galaxy and had it painted cherry red. He entered her in the antique car shows and won trophies. He loved to travel by land, sea, or air, whichever way he can go. His grandchildren were his pride and joy. He made sure he attended every birthday party, graduation, and even the weddings. He was a wonderful grandfather to them all. He was a very giving individual as well. In early 2018, Jean became ill before he left Abaco during their New Year's visit and was later admitted to doctor's hospital. He underwent many tests and had to receive blood transfusions. He began taking injections to build up his hemoglobin level. And on March 2nd, 2018, he became unresponsive and was admitted to the hospital where it was determined he had an acute stroke on the right side of his body. He remained in hospital for several weeks and was discharged on May 19, 2018. The doctors arranged nursing care 24-7 for Jean. On May 9, 2018, he peacefully passed away at his residence in Johnson Road Estates. He will be missed dearly by his loved ones, family, friends, and co-workers. Ma, we love you. 
You're not alone, okay? He's not here. But we will be, okay? Thank you. Thank you, Blair. Where there is much love, there are many tears. For our time of tributes, we begin with Charmaine Saunders, who is a daughter-in-law, followed by Charlie Albury, long-term boss to Jean, JBR manager. Good afternoon. Even though I was the daughter-in-law for many, many years now, I felt the love as if I was their daughter, not just the daughter-in-law. One of the most difficult things to deal with in life is the death of a family member or a close friend. Even for Christians, dying is a part of life on earth because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. However, unlike those that do not believe, Christians have a blessed hope. Thanks to God, who gave his beloved Son to die for our sins, we can rest assured that heaven awaits those who die in Christ. Um, I just, I felt led uh, when I spoke to Pastor Elliot last weekend, Friday or Saturday, whichever day it was, um, that I, I should share something. I felt that I needed to do this. And the scripture that I was led to share is taken from 1 John 4, 7 to 8. And I remember as a, as a child going to Sunday school, this, these two verses was a chorus we sang. But I'm going to read them, not attempt to sing them. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And that's what um, was given to me, for God is love. And so verse 8 says that he that loveth not knoweth not God. And this is where I've, I know, I don't feel, I know Mr. Saunders loved God because he shared his love with everybody. It wasn't just this one or that one. And as we could see here today, we see the love he, he showed just by you all attending the service today. And um, this was, um, and this is an important for all of us right now. As an inheritance, I feel that he's left behind, especially for the grandchildren. We don't have great grands yet, but for the grandchildren and for the sons. But he left this for all of us. And the inheritance was love. It's priceless, immeasurable, and nothing to be compared to. And I believe Mr. Saunders was able to demonstrate love because he knew God. He had a relationship with Jesus. The scripture plainly tells us that we cannot love if we do not know God, for God is love. How can we share love if we don't know God? At home, at work, or wherever he went, this was one truth that was always present. Everyone was treated fairly. He, did, he didn't just speak it and not put it 
and put it, not put it into action. He had a deep love for Ms. Saunders. And one thing I want to share is that at Christmas time especially, he would go and handpick his Christmas card. That he, the words that he felt he wanted to express to her. And she would read it out aloud to all of us at Christmas time for everyone to hear and, and, and see how much he loved her. And it goes without saying that he just dearly loved her. This we will miss greatly. Each one of his children, Phil, Ricky, and Michael, had a special place in his heart. And needless to say, his grandchildren were his pride and joy. He was a magnet to all of them. They were like little leeches, and they just couldn't be separated. I know I could go on countless of stories back in Bahama Farm, especially because that's where we spent most of our family time. And as you can see, they've each shared tributes in the booklet that of their expression of love for him. So we could take the time and read those. And they were all there for him. He was there for them and every, everything. Wherever he could go and attend the functions, he was there. And this they are forever grateful. I'm speaking on behalf of the grandchildren now. And um, I just wanted to share one, encourage the grandchildren especially. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Jonathan, Justin, Blaine, Chrissy, Justina, Gerard, Blair, Abria. This is something we need to continue. Fight the good faith. Stand firm as a spiritual warrior. Clothe yourselves in the armor of God and defend the gospel of truth. You are to finish the race. Ensure during the process that you are neither disqualified nor disheartened in the marathon of life and ministry. And lastly, keep the faith. Remain true and committed and loyal to the one who rescued you from sin and darkness. And on behalf of the entire Saunders family, we would like to thank everyone for their love, their support, their prayers, anything they assisted with. I, I can't mention them all, but we just want to express our sincere love and gratitude for everything throughout this time of bereavement in the family. And we love you all. Thank you. On behalf of them, the owners, um, management staff, and family of JBR, we have a guy here sitting back there who's worked with him for 50 years, still working. I'm gonna what I did, I did is I decided to to take two different tacks with Mr. Gene because he Gene had a sense of humor. 
Um, most of you that know him know that. But um, I met Mr. Gene 35 years ago when I joined JBR. And in these 35 years, the same man has showed up to work every day, consistently every day. If I could sum up it and him up in a phrase, it would be P-O-R, press on regardless. No matter what came up, what problem he had to tackle, it was always, I'll get it sorted out. He had a natural gift to being able to make, fix, repair anything. Sometimes he even used strange things like Coke cans to make parts. He was from the old school where you had to figure it out for yourself and find a way to fix it. For 50 years, he's been the rock on which our block business has been built. Loyal to the core, Mr. Gene viewed the block plan as his. Even though he didn't own it, it belonged to him. You couldn't tell him any different. For someone to work at the same place for 50 years and still be driven and enjoy what he does right up to the very end speaks volumes. Two years ago, we had a training session for our staff that was a mixture of various departments and various ages in the company. When the trainer asked Mr. Gene what goals he had for his job, he simply replied to make better block tomorrow than he did today. That blew the trainer's mind that a person after all these years still had a drive to do better. He was a person that would not compromise his standards. He told management we either make the block right or he's not going to be a part of making the block. The blocks he made were not simply products to sell, but his reputation, and we often referred to them as his children. Um, on a lighter note, Ms. Patsy always told me she figured she'd show up on one day and meet the block plant set up in her front room with the blocks running. <laughs> um, his commitment to work has led to a life of relationship with his block plant staff. And I mentioned Willie's worked with him for 50 years, most of us 30, 35 years plus. Um, and with his staff out there, he's been through them with all life's troubles. He's a father, a counselor, a friend, a banker. His wife, Patsy, would often cook something or make conch salad and bring it for the guys. This was his second family. Not only has Mr. Gene been a loyal businessman, he was also a loyal family man. And it's been said already, every time you talk to him, all he talked about was his grandkids. He had so much pride. He's raised children who've followed in his footsteps, smart, driven, and loyal. Even though his shoes will never be filled, he has passed on his knowledge and drive to the next two generations. We're privileged to have two sons and a grandson that work for us in the block business. One of his sons has worked directly with him for 34 years, and I know that's going to be hard. They've learned from the best, and I know they will strive to carry on his legacy. Mr. Gene was living proof of the age-old adage that hard work pays off. And that's a lesson that could be taught to the generation today. It speaks volumes. So as I close to the family, thank you for allowing Mr. Gene to be a part of JBR. And I know it's going to be rough in the coming days, but I think Mr. Gene would want all of us, as I stated at the beginning, to P.O.R., press on, regardless. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Charmaine. I just wanted to point out their lovely tributes printed in our booklets we'll leave to your attention when you have a little more time. Let us sing, uh, Brother Anthony. Please stand together as we sing about the victory that is found in Jesus Christ, the resurrected one.
may be seated. A great singing about a greater Savior. The chapter I want to share with you in just for a few minutes this afternoon is probably the most well-known chapter of all of the Bible. It's the 23rd Psalm, which we had read for us a little earlier in this time. There was an orator, a famous orator, who made his money by memorizing and reciting various beautiful prose and poetry. And he had an auditorium full of persons one night, and he decided that he would recite the 23rd Psalm. He did so in a beautiful, artistically wonderful way, 
But he saw in the back row, as he recited the 23rd Psalm, an older gentleman, a man that was leaning forward on his cane and mouthing the words of the 23rd Psalm as the orator said them. Impromptu, the orator said at the end of his presentation, gentlemen, would you please come up and share with us your rendition of the psalm? To which the older man came up the aisle with some effort and took him quite some time, and he got to the microphone, and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. And then he went on. After he had concluded, the orator took the microphone and said, thank you so much, sir. You see, I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. And there is a large difference, isn't there, between knowing the 23rd Psalm and knowing the shepherd of which it speaks. Today, speaking on the authority of the word of God and with the love of Jesus Christ, I would like to make the case that all of us would have made the Lord Jesus Christ our shepherd. The first thing that we should notice about doing that is it is a decision by you. To make the Lord Jesus Christ your shepherd is a decision which you need to make. It says, the text says, for the, for the Lord to be your shepherd, you must decide that he is. For the text says, the Lord is my shepherd. It does not say the Lord is a shepherd, nor does it say the Lord is even the shepherd, but the psalmist says the Lord is my shepherd. You know, it's amazing to me as I live my life and I listen to people, I enjoy people and I listen to people, I learn a lot from people. What's amazing to me, however, is that we can speak of my hairdresser, we can speak of my doctor, we can speak of my electrician or my pastor or my yard man or my teacher or my member of parliament. Yet so few people, it seems, in a general way, get around to making Jesus Christ their shepherd. We can have hope and certainty that Gene is with Christ because he made Jesus Christ his shepherd at a point in his life. He didn't defer. He didn't delay. He didn't deflect. He made the decision of faith to make Jesus Christ his own shepherd. The second thing I see in the psalm after a decision by you, is that when we make that decision, many things flow out of that decision that are such a rich blessing. The first thing in the text that flows out of making Jesus your shepherd is that there is assurance. The psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we have Christ as our shepherd, we do not have any Want. That is a blessing to be sure. There was a little girl who was to quote the 23rd Psalm, and uh, she said, The Lord is my shepherd. I, that's all I want. <laughs> and, you know, technically she didn't quote the uh, Psalm properly, but in real, realism and re reality, she was quoting the Psalm at its essence. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When we make the Lord our shepherd, we have wonderful assurance. But there's something else. There is also rest. When we make the Lord Jesus our shepherd, there is rest. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside quiet waters. I was sick two weeks ago, and the Lord made me to lie down on my bed. I didn't have enough sense to do that until I got sick. The Lord Jesus Christ, as your shepherd, will never be a driven boss. There are lots of driven bosses, but the Lord Jesus Christ is not one of them because he balances for his sheep labor and rest. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. There's more, though. When you make the Lord your shepherd, there's also restoration. The first half of verse 3 says, He restores my soul. The soul is the portion I mentioned in my preamble to the service that allows us to interact with other people. Some people call our soul our personality. Our soul personality is made up of intellect, emotion, and will. Our soul is our thinker, our feeler, and our chooser. And this verse says that when Jesus Christ is your shepherd, there is restoration for your soul, for your personality, for your mind, for your emotions, for your intellect. The fact is, in this 21st century, all of us often need to have our souls restored. Our days are so stressful and jam-packed and fast-paced and technology that was supposed to make life easier has made it more complicated. And there are so many nowadays, so many unprofitable and imprudent and exhausting wrong paths onto which any of us can easily wander, and that's why our souls, especially today, need restoration. The Lord Jesus Christ is the best qualified to restore your souls and mine because he made them in the first place. So, so far we've seen that the good that flows out of the choice, the decision to make Jesus Christ one's own shepherd is that then we will have assurance, then we will have rest, and then we will have restoration. But there is more. We have guidance When we make Jesus Christ our shepherd, he guides us. The text says he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know why the Lord as the good shepherd will always guide you as one of his sheep in righteous paths? Because his name's at stake. I grew up in a suburb of Toronto, and my parents were always generous with our family vehicles. And they would, after I got my driver's license, allow me to drive the family car. And I'll always remember what Daddy said to me when I had the keys handed to me, one of our family cars. He said, son, you are going to drive this car courteously, responsibly, and in a manner that reflects the values of me. Because you are going to be driving in our neighborhood, largely, and all of our neighbors know our car. It's the Elliot's. You see, my dad guided me in the paths of righteousness with respect to driving because his own name was at stake. For those of us who do make the decision to make Jesus Christ our shepherd, we take on Christ's name, don't we? Christian, it means a little Christ. A Christian is a little Christ. So when you go to work, when you go to your neighborhood, when you go on your vacation, when you transact, 
you are a little Christ. And for a time, you may be the only Christ that other people are observing. And that's why Jesus delights in providing guidance to those who make him their shepherd. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So again, to review, making Jesus our shepherd is in fact a choice. It's not automatic. When we make that choice by faith in him, there is, after that decision, there is assurance, there is rest, there is restoration, and there is guidance. But additionally, there's more. There is also fellowship. There is fellowship out of this wonderful decision. The text in verse 4, first half of verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you art with me. You are with me. There's fellowship. And our shepherd being right with us through the good of life, the bad of life, the ugly of life, the shepherd being with us in fellowship makes all the difference in the world. There was a famous preacher who was the preacher at 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And he, Donald Gray Barnhouse was his name, and his wife went to be with Jesus Christ young, leaving Dr. Barnhouse three young children to raise without a mommy. And Dr. Barnhouse, with all of his understandings of theology and Bible, struggled with how to present what had happened to the mommy, to the children, that they were so young. One day, they were driving down the interstate in the family car, and there was a transport truck right beside them, and the sun was over in that orientation there. And Dr. Barnhouse noticed that the shadow of the semi-truck was being cast over the hood of the Barnhouse vehicle and in the lane that was ahead of their driving. And he said, children, would you rather be run over by that semi-truck or by the shadow of the semi-truck. And of course, they said, the shadow. He said, that's what happened to mommy. She was run over by the shadow of death. But Jesus took the full impact of the truck of death for us. Oh, it's wonderful to make the Lord Jesus one shepherd. There's assurance, there's rest, there's restoration, there's guidance, and there's fellowship. But there is more. There is comfort. There is comfort. It says the second half of verse 4, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The good shepherd's rod and his staff will comfort the person who has made him to be their shepherd. The rod was an instrument that all shepherds in the ancient Near East had. It was like a long club. And they would use that rod to beat off predators who would want to eat the sheep. The staff was like you might see at a swimming pool. It was a long-handled tool that had a scoop on the end of it, much like a lifeguard's hook would at a swimming pool, so you could hook a person who couldn't swim in the deep end. And the staff was what the shepherd used to rescue a sheep who was in a crevice or a cave. And when Jesus Christ is made to be one's shepherd, his rod and his staff comfort the individual, comfort you and me. I don't know what predators you face. 
It may be your great concern for crime. It might be family problems, work problems. I don't know who or what your predators will be, but I'll tell you, if Jesus Christ is made to be your shepherd, he will comfort you in them. I don't know what your predicaments might be. What's trapping you, hindering you, holding you back. Maybe it's money problems, employment issues, a troubled past. I don't know what your predicaments might be, but I know when Jesus is made to be your shepherd, he has a staff that he can deliver you from those things and give you comfort. The case is building for Jesus being made to be one shepherd. When we make him our shepherd by a personal decision, there's assurance, there's rest, restoration, guidance, fellowship, and comfort, but there's also provision. Provision, the the psalm says, Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The shepherd is always setting the perfect table before each of his sheep. It says that, uh, that he will provide for us that wonderful, perfect table, even when there are opponents, adversaries, rivals looking on. You can have peace at the table that your shepherd sets. You don't have to be wary. You don't have to be sitting on the edge of your chair. You can enjoy the provisions that he makes. But there's more. <laughs> there's blessing as well. Second part of verse 5, thou hast anointed my head with oil. Now, as 21st century readers, that doesn't sound that attractive. We're not talking about engine oil here. We're talking about a light, fragrant oil that was very necessary at that time in the Old Testament because most all traveling happened by foot on dusty, rocky roads. And when guests arrived at your home, they were They were dusty, they were sweaty, they uh, needed some attention. So the the good hostess, the good host, would provide a a fragranted uh, oil, a light oil that would refresh and it would be combed into the hair of the woman or combed into the hair and the beard of the man and hands and feet would be anointed with this oil. And it was a courtesy, it was a gesture of hospitality. It was a wonderful, wonderful thing. The psalmist says that if we make Jesus our shepherd, he will give us the blessing of that courtesy and refreshment as we need it. It goes on, there's more. There's also satisfaction. The last part of verse 5 says, my cup overflows. There's true satisfaction with Jesus as your shepherd. Your cup will overflow, not necessarily monetarily, not necessarily materially, but your cup will overflow in contentment, in direction, in peace, in purpose, in forgiveness, in grace, in mercy, in having an other's orientation. That's what makes a life full, those things, not what money buys. Now, I need to circle back. We've listed all the things the psalm puts out as being benefits for making the Lord Jesus one shepherd, but we need to go back to the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's no, grammatically, there is no object in that sentence. 
and grammatically, we should ask, want what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything that we need as his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything that he deems necessary for me to have. That's beautiful. Almost finished. There's also prospect when Jesus is made to be one shepherd. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is prospect when Jesus is your shepherd. There was a a native Canadian uh, Indian who had two dogs, and he named those two dogs goodness and loving kindness, obviously intentionally. Loving kindness and goodness will follow that man all the days of his life. When Jesus Christ is your shepherd, his unending loving kindness and goodness will follow you not just to death, but past death to eternity. In the Bible's times when this psalm was written, shepherds often had to take their flock across uh, rivers to move to better pastures for feeding or safer pastures for caring for the lambs from predators. And when there was a little baby lamb, the shepherd would take that little baby lamb in his arms in love and care, and he would carry that little baby lamb through the river safely to the other side and then set the lamb down in the new pasture. When Jean's spirit and soul were dismissed from his body, his shepherd carried him across the river and put him safely on the other side. There was a little girl who was terminally ill. She knew she was dying, and her mom and dad knew she was dying, and the parents were so faithful to be with her as much as they possibly could in the hospital. But... She went to wait. She went to be with Jesus without them by her side. They were not there in time. And when they got to her lifeless body in her bed, she was holding her thumb. And they knew exactly why. Because they had taught her in her illness and in her pain and struggle, the Lord is my She crossed the river. Aware that the Lord was her shepherd. Would you be aware? The Lord is my shepherd. Could we bow for prayer? Lord, so much of your Bible lays out blessing, but predicates it, conditionalizes it on belief. And so we thank you for this psalm that tells us so much of what we can have in Jesus. Some of us have had him as our shepherd for many, many years. May we keep looking to him. Others of us perhaps have heard about him being a shepherd, but have never made that personal decision to bow their knee to him 
accept his sacrifice for their sin, to trust that he conquered the grave, and to put all their trust upon Jesus. Some here have made Jesus their shepherd years ago, but have grown careless and obstinate in trying to shepherd themselves, although they have a good shepherd. Lord, whatever the case might be, may we leave this time certain that Jesus Christ has been made our shepherd and our savior. From where we sit, that could easily happen. Lord, I know I fall short of your standard. Jesus, I believe you died to pay my, for my shortfall. I trust Christ and only Christ to be my savior and shepherd. God will hear that prayer, and God will respond to that prayer. That is my prayer, that everyone in the sound of my voice would know Jesus to be shepherd. Thank you that Gene did, and thank you that Gene now knows Jesus as shepherd perfectly. We rejoice in that truth, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we're now entering into a time of committal, would you kindly stand with me? Friends, as we've gathered here this afternoon to lay to rest, dear Jean's earthly house, I want to remind us that our gathering is not in vain, for we have gathered here on the basis of a forever sure and certain hope, which is anchored to the word of a true and living God. I want to share one more passage from that word with us now. It's 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Inasmuch as it pleased our Lord and Heavenly Father to take from our midst by gathering to himself this one whom we dearly love, we commit his earthly house to its final resting place, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, a place for safekeeping only until that great trumpet day, that glorious day, when the treasure we now deposit in an urn for safekeeping is transformed and raised 
imperishable, and glorified. Let us pray. Dearest Lord Jesus, all that hands could do have we done. Where we leave off, do you take up and take care. Watch over the hallowed place in holy remembrance until the promised resurrection. Bless the family that remains on earth. Secure them by your love. Instruct them by your word. Comfort them by your promises. Sustain them by your grace. Encourage them by your people. Warm them by the memories they hold dear. Heal them by your touch. Guide them by your Holy Spirit. Save them by your sacrifice. Precious Lord Jesus Christ, send us away now to our homes and to the work that awaits us. In your love and in your dear name, amen. Please remain standing as we sing. God be the glory. 